Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. There are so many mysteries associated with the Old Testament, questions that we don't really have answers for. And one of the most fascinating of all is whatever happened to the Ark of the Covenant. This is something that if you saw the old Raiders of the Lost Ark movie in 1981, you might think is off in some warehouse in some government building in Washington, D.C. If you read the Bible a little bit more carefully, you might think it was destroyed during the time of the prophet Jeremiah when Babylon sacked Jerusalem. And yet there are other tantalizing hints that it may still be around, from Maccabees to statements of of different rabbis. It might be hidden in Mount Nebo or Mount Moriah. Today, we're going to take a look at legend, myth, and what information is out there about the Ark of the Covenant, what it looked like, what its purpose was, where it might be, what has happened to it. According to the book of Exodus, God told Moses to build the Ark of the Covenant during his 40-day stay on Mount Sinai when he went up to commune with God. Moses was shown exactly how it was supposed to be made. He was told that it was supposed to be made of acacia wood, which in Old Testament times and in 1611, King James Bible is translated as Shedem wood. It was made to house the stone tablets that had the 12 commandments on them. We read, of course, in the New Testament that it also had manna and that it had the staff of of Aaron in it. The book of Exodus tells us that it was two and a half cubits in length and one and a half cubits wide and one and a half cubits high. So what is that in today's language? It's 52 inches long, 31 by 31 width and height. So when you get right down to it, the Ark of the Covenant's about two and a half feet wide, two and a half feet tall, and then not quite four and a half feet long. So that's a pretty good sized box. On top of this rectangle, you had 
a lid that's called the mercy seat. That's not a really good translation into English. What is the mercy seat? It is the seat of mercy or the location of mercy of God. In other words, it is the place where God appeared. God the merciful appeared to speak with Moses. The seat really means the location. And so what was the main purpose for the Ark of the Covenant in addition to housing the Ten Commandments? Well, it was the place where God appeared to the prophets. He stood between the two angels, or cherubim, and they did not have angels, notwithstanding all the paintings that we have of them and the renditions that we have of them, because the winged cherubim or winged angels is a bad translation. What we had would have been two human-looking figures that would have faced inward, and there would have been enough space between those sacred gold angels— He might have looked a little bit like the angel Moroni, except probably facing towards each other and no trumpet. And between them, when God appeared, that's where he came. And that's also a fascinating indication that God in ancient Israel took on and had a human form. Because why would you need some kind of a space for God to appear if he was just a spirit or just ether or something else that could not be seen. He was seeable. And we know, according to many different uh, Old Testament verses, that he had hands and feet and a voice and a head. And, uh, he, he was a man. The Old Testament clearly describes God as a man, especially when you take a look, for example, at the account in the end of Genesis of Jacob wrestling with God. All right. So moving on, we also know that this box, this Ark of the Covenant, was extremely well-made. How do we know that? Well, acacia wood is really amazing, and it's really strong. You can get it today for flooring or a wall, but it's quite expensive. It looks a little bit like lighter-colored walnut and has a similar strength and density. It's extremely strong and somewhat heavy. This amazing ark was overlaid with gold. And then on top of this lid or or place where God appeared, you had these two angels. And then it was covered over with a veil, meaning a covering. And of course, how was it moved around? There were four rings on each side through which there were poles so that you could have several men, presumably on each one of the uh, four corners holding on to this long stick that went through on each side of the of the two rings, and that's how it was transported. This ark served as a place for God to appear. As I've mentioned, it also had other purposes. It gave great confidence to the Jews. The biblical account describes how after it was created by Moses— when he went up to Mount Sinai, it was carried by the Israelites during their 40 years of wandering in the desert. Whenever the Israelites camped, the ark was placed in a separate room in the sacred tabernacle, which really means a large 
fancy tent. It was placed in the large sacred tent. When the Israelites, who were then led by Joshua at the very end, came into the promised land, what happened? The ark went first. The ark preceded the people. And it was when the ark went across, known that everything was okay, that God had sanctioned the children of Israel to finally go into the promised land. So the ark served as a beacon of safety. It also is fascinating that during the crossing, the river dried up. Now, why that would be, maybe it's just a miracle. Maybe it wasn't supposed to get wet. Who knows? But the river dried up. And as we enter into later events, we hear about the Battle of Jericho, where the Ark was carried around the city for six days. And it was in conjunction with this Ark and the trumpets that would sound that on the seventh day, there was this great shout and the walls of Jericho fell, according to the biblical description. So it had miraculous abilities. One of the fascinating descriptions in the, in the Old Testament about the Ark is it's captured by the Philistines. didn't always go so well when the Jews had the Ark with them. According to the biblical narrative, when the Jews fought with Philistines, the Jews lost, and the, the Ark was captured. The Philistines had a really difficult time with it. They got... What had been translated by some, interestingly enough, as hemorrhoids and translated by others as some kind of cancer or tumor. The people of Ashdod, the Bible says, were smitten with tumors, a plague of rodents, and they were done. This made them give the ark back, and they fashioned golden replicas of these tumors and of the rats that they believed accompanied them and sent them all back as a peace offering to the Israelites along with the Ark of the Covenant. We, we can kind of smile at that today, but it must have been a really terrifying thing for the Philistines to think that somehow God was so powerful that he had sent a plague upon them. In the biblical narrative, at the beginning of the reign of Israel by King David— we have this interesting description of the ark being removed, and we'll take it up right here when we come back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Stay tuned. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. If you have a question or comment about this program or any other program, feel free to send me an email. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to respond. When we took our break, I, I mentioned that you have this fascinating description in the Bible that at the beginning of his Rain, King David removed the ark from the place where it was then held. And on the way to the new Zion, 
or, or location that's now called Zion, Yuza, one of the drivers of the cart that carried the ark, put out his hand to steady it and was struck dead by God for touching it. One of the things that resulted from this was that there was great fear that the ark carried some special quality to it. Now, no one is told exactly what this incident means, although there's been great speculation in Latter-day circles and in uh, early Jewish times about why Uzzah would have been struck dead. It's interesting because there were many people who touched the ark, who were supposed to hold it, who were supposed to carry it, who were supposed to keep it um, steady and, and carry it properly so it wouldn't fall to the ground. The idea that somehow it would be bad for certain people to do it, but not for others, well, maybe, but that seems a bit harsh for somebody trying to do a good, a good deed. Now, I've heard a lot of speculation about this, but the truth is we don't really know what that event means because only those who were there would have known, and the context of that event has not really survived for us. We know also that while in the city of David, King David put the ark in the tabernacle or tent that he had made for it, and he offered sacrifices. He gave out food and he blessed people and used the tabernacle as his personal place of prayer. And the Ark of the Covenant had a close tie-in with David and the way he led Israel. The Levites were appointed to minister in connection with the Ark, and King David's plan of building a temple to house the Ark was stopped at one point because of the things the prophet Nathan told David. The Ark was later with the army during a siege at Rabbah, and when David left Jerusalem— at the time of Absalom's trying to go after him, the ark went along with him until he ordered the priest by the name of Zadok to return it to Jerusalem. So we know what happened to it up until this point in time. And then King David is gone, Solomon's around, and according to the biblical narrative— when Abiathar was dismissed or he was gone from the priesthood by King Solomon having taken part in some kind of a conspiracy um, against David, his life was spared because he had formerly carried the ark. So carrying the ark bore great, great respect, and it was a sign of respect. Solomon worshipped before the ark after his dream in which God promised him wisdom. During the time that Solomon's temple was being built, there was a special inner room 
which we call the Holy of Holies, and it was prepared for the Ark of the Covenant to be placed inside of it. So in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. And when the temple was dedicated, the Ark, which had the Ten Commandments on the two tablets, was in the temple. The priests came out of the Holy of Holies after putting the Ark there. And according to the narratives, the temple was filled with the cloud of glory, the presence of the Lord. This was a really, really big deal. When Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter, he had her live in a house outside of Zion, as it was called at the time, because Zion was consecrated for the ark, and the ark was for Jews. King Josiah also had the ark return to the temple at a later time. It appears to have been somehow taken away by one of his predecessors, but we don't know exactly where or when. From there, we know that in the time of King Hezekiah, the ark is mentioned. Hezekiah is the one who is known for trying to protect the city of Jerusalem and and the ark. And I mentioned that King Hezekiah's last king in the Bible known to have actually seen the ark for sure. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 37, verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. And there's a similar narrative in 2 Kings chapter 19, also beginning in verse 14 that discusses that, if you'd like to go take a look. We have today different ideas about what has happened to the ark. Some people believe that it's hidden in Hezekiah's tunnel underneath the Temple Mount. There are some people who believe that when Babylon conquered Jerusalem in 587 BC, that when they destroyed the temple, they also destroyed the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this is possible, except that the Ark is not specifically mentioned. We have this statement in First Ezra, first chapter, verse 54, that says this, quote, And they took the holy vessels of the Lord, both great and small, with the vessels of the ark of God and the king's treasures and carried them away into Babylon, close quote. So that seems to say that the ark did go into Babylon. If it went into Babylon, we don't have a record of it coming back. One of the most fascinating interviews, and I snicker a little bit at this, was in the late 1980s with a archaeologist, a biblical archaeologist by the name of Vendel Jones, who, no, he wasn't the basis for the Indiana Jones. Some people think he was, but he, he disclaimed that idea. And he believed that he had found the location of the ark, but no one has actually found it. There are some fascinating ideas about what's happened to the ark. We read that in Second Maccabees, in the beginning of chapter 2, that uh, the prophet Jeremiah was prompted by this divine message to take the ark away before Jerusalem fell and to put the ark in a cave in a mountain. And the mountain is 
Sinai or Mount Moriah, according to some accounts. Whether that's true or not is up for guess. I personally find that hard to believe. It would be difficult for Jeremiah to get out with the ark and hide it when Jerusalem was under siege. From there, we have a number of different ideas about where the ark went. One of the most fascinating ones is that it is in the church of Our Lady Mary of Zion in the small little place called Axum, which is in Ethiopia. The problem with that theory is that someone has actually seen their ark, and it does not appear to be ancient in origin. So what's happened to the Ark of the Covenant? No one really knows, but it's a fascinating, fascinating symbol of God's power and authority that we find in the Old Testament. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.